Hey there, folks. Hopefully you found the infinite banking e-course useful. Now, why do we go down this road? It doesn't really align with investing. In fact, it's what you do before you start investing. You fund your infinite banking account. You get that cash value built up. Then as deals come up, you take that cash value as a loan and then you invest into deals. That's the cycle we're trying to build. And that's why it's called infinite because there's a continuous loop with it. But one thing I was really, you know, want to share most people, maybe not most people, but a lot of people that are into this financial hacking type of stuff have maybe grandparents that own a million dollar house. And in that million dollar house, they own it outright, which is a big thing for a lot of people, my parents included. For some strange reason, they associate debt with not having freedom, which I, as I mentioned before, and I've wrote a lot of articles within four, which you guys could check out at simplepassivecash.com slash Forbes. And check out my article on my commentary on debt. But a lot of people, a lot of the grandparents, they might have a million dollars of equity. And let's just think about it for a moment, right? If we took that million dollars and put it into some kind of halfway decent, lower end conservative, lower yield type of investment making 10%, that can create $100,000 of income every year for us. And that's probably enough to pay for a few kids going to college every year or private high school for example. But right now, a lot of people just have that money just sitting as dead equity, not doing anything. And it just frustrates me personally. Maybe they don't want to put it in any type of investing. And that's where this infinite banking comes in. You can take that equity from the house, put it into this life insurance product, which is probably a lot more stable than the equity in a home. And it can be churning at 5%. You probably can't send three kids to college with that, but maybe you, you can send one and a half these days, or you can send three kids to the public college with that. This is where I'm like, you don't have excuses. There's no excuse that you don't have the money to it. It's just a bunch about choices if you have that much equity built, and which a lot of people do who are in that stage of their life. Now, a lot of you guys might be in your 30s and 40s building to there. And you're going to have a lot more net worth than two to three million dollars if you start this off and doing it that way. We also started doing this infinite banking as an option for our investors because yeah, we get it. Buying a rental property, going into syndication deals, not everybody's going to do it. We have over well over 700 people jumping into deals at this point. But on my grand list of 7,000 people, obviously not everybody does it. I would say 80 to 90% of people never jump in for some strange reason. But this is where it was. we thought it would be a cool way to get people involved in this type of alternative wealth building tactics and where it's secure. And I think people just need to get educated in how secure putting your money into a life insurance product could be. And yeah, you don't make 10, 15, 20%, but you're making at least 5% and it's still tax-free as it grows into that. What we're saying here is consider this, if you're starting out, using this as a way to get into the game. A lot of people will use the tactic where they're taking the HELOC from their primary residence. And this is a tactic that the wealthy do, right? Essentially, you're taking money, debt, equity, and you're getting it working and you're getting it working better for you. And this is no different. I would say this is superior to using your HELOC because the HELOCs, you can get pulled at any point should the economy go shaky and you don't have the asset protection, not tax-free like how it is in life insurance plan. For those of you guys who are already investing in deals, rental properties, this is just an add-on. This is not an alternative to investing that you still need to do that type of stuff. But the whole idea is to set up this infinite banking loop where you're put into your policy first and taking it right back and you're creating that loop for yourself. If you guys have any questions, feel free to shoot us an email at bank 
at simplepassivecashflow.com. We can run quotes for you. If you already got a whole life insurance set up, we can take a look at it and probably we can fix or we can do what's called a 1035 exchange into a new policy. The team is totally willing to get to know your guys' personal situation. And if you guys want to get on a phone call with me and do a 10 minute recording where we really do a deep dive into how much should I put into this type of policy for how many years? For example, I do a 25,000 policy for six years. Or should I do fifty, dollars $100,000 policy? A lot of our members in the family office group are doing today. I want to right size it for myself, but I don't know where to start. If you guys want to book that free 10-minute call, the catch is we record it. And we, yeah, of course, we're going to make you guys anonymous, but we're going to shoot it out to the rest of the folks. And after all, everybody kind of fits in the same range, in my opinion, for a lot of the viewers out there. Again, check out the e-course. If you guys want to give away the e-course to your friends so you don't have to keep explaining this type of stuff to them, have them sign up for that e-course at simplepassivecashflow.com slash banking. And if you guys need any help, again, the support email is bank at simplepassivecashflow.com. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. All right. We are having another boring coaching call here with Willie. That's his true name. But hopefully we're <laughs> going to dig into some good stuff here. But I know you guys love these coaching calls because in a way you guys were all here at a certain point or you're going to be at this stage. And there's takeaways, I think, from people more from their journey as you and those of you guys um, behind. I think all these things help out everybody. If you guys haven't yet, what the heck are you doing? Sign up for Investor Club, simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. But uh, yeah, Willie, why don't you give a, a little bit of a background of yourself just to give people some context out there. Yeah, because after sure all, thing. they don't care about you. They just care about themselves and what they can gain from this conversation, right? No. Yeah, no, it's, it's all good, man. So I graduated college in 2009, middle of the, the, the market was just like in a free fall. And I actually started working in commercial space in like by the Kennedy Space Center in Florida and uh, worked on satellites for a while. And my, I was pretty much paid enough to pay rent, get by. I did that for about five, six years and then came over to San Diego and I've been in aerospace for the past, wow, seven years or so. So it's been awesome. It's been really, it's been really cool. And I love my career so far. And I think I'm like many of the folks that who are going to read this or, or, or watch this where the past, in particular, about three or four years, I've come to the realization that of course I need to do more and have more than one revenue stream for diversification and for peace of mind. So that's kind of what I'm looking to get out of this and I'd really appreciate some some expertise. I've also taken the the e-course on a syndication investor. So if, and I finished that and I thought that was really cool. I got a lot out of that. My my mind was just it's much more cool than I thought and intricate than I thought it really would be like on the surface. Once I dug into the details, I was like, "Oh my, this is actually really fascinating about how all this stuff works." I I've, I've owned a side business in the past and uh so it was cool to just see the, the similarities. It's really like when you do a syndication, it's like you're starting a business with the business plan and everything. In 2015, I had 11 turnkey rentals and realized that there's nothing passive about direct ownership in rental properties. 
This coming from an accredited investor perspective. Our group these days are mostly accredited investors, strictly looking for syndication deals for a purely passive investment strategy. One part of my portfolio is the American Homeowner Preservation, or what folks in the Hui call AHP. George Newberry, once apartment investor and mentor to myself, is now sponsoring podcasts for the fourth year in a row. His private note fund, which by the way also accepts non-accredited investors, cuts out the middlemen and allows you to invest directly with him to fight the mortgage crisis in America. Feel good knowing that you are helping families stay in their home after buying their underwater note at a huge discount. Join him by purchasing distressed mortgages while cashing your distribution check on a monthly basis. Find something else better out there? Just let me know. Invest as little as $100 by going to preareo.com slash investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, claim it at simplepassivecashflow.com slash AHP. And don't forget to join our private investor club to get more insider access. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that testimonial right there. You hear that guy? Syndication e-course. I think you can find that by going to simplepassivecashflow.com syndication and clicking the buttons there. But it was really cool. That's the comment. That's the sound <laughs> that we got. But Willie's got a net worth of... Just under 500, I think that's the main thing. Once you get rolling over a hundred grand, quarter million dollars, you're really, there's really nothing stopping you at this point to getting past the million dollar threshold. And then your salary today is 20 or 12,500. And this kind of recently went up, right? You were mentioning. Yeah, my, my salary went up twice. I've, I, I got poached twice in 2019. And um, that's what kind of got me into the position where, where I, I can move away from just doing 401k and that sort of stuff. And now, now I have, I think I have the options to responsibly start making some of these uh, bigger moves. Yeah, we, we have a lot of guys that are older. Be careful how I say this, but over the age of 40, they have substantial net worth, right? because they white knuckled their way of savings. But there's a lot of guys that are fresh out of college, one to five years out, but they make six figure. But as say a veteran, younger veteran, right? Like my understanding is you've got to move around. Any kind of career advice there to the younger guys? That's it in a nutshell, man. If, if you don't move around, then you have to really make sure you're being taken care of. And it's hard for a company to, for whatever reason, it's just there, there's this momentum that it that companies prefer to like hire from the outside than promote within. And I've worked at four different companies now, including in tech, not only in aerospace. And that's what I saw there too. It's all about how you negotiate when you come in, when you get recruited and uh, you just, when you learn everything you can, and then at a certain point, you, you, you're going to hit a wall from a career standpoint. Yeah. Just, you got to move, you got to move smart. You can't move too much, but you, but you should just, there's that sweet zone right there. And that's changing all the time. And I remember when I, I think we're about the same age and I remember hearing in college how people were saying, Hey, the 30 year careers, they're thinking every five years or, or three to four years. And then I started working and, and then the longer I've been working and actually the, the more senior levels I get, the less I've seen people stay at jobs about a year and a half or so. so yeah, I, you just got to be, you got to be nimble and willing to go and do things that other people don't want to do, at least in the beginning until you can build up your network and just kind of diversify. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's something that I, a lot of us working professionals in here, and again, you're aerospace engineer for give context, but yeah, let's dig into this. So I start out, um, I, the way I do this, I peek over the net worth and see what planet we're on. And then I see what velocity you're going at, which is the sources of cash here. So pretty simple here, 12,500 a month, pretty decent salary. 
And then I peek over here and I just spot check for your own good. I'm not too big into the whole save money nonsense type of stuff, even though I am pretty frugal. I think my personal expenses are like two grand on housing, a couple cars, maybe probably under, I spend a lot of food. I love food. Yeah. Mine's is probably under four, four to $5,000 is my burn rate. Don't have kids yet, but I hear that's expensive. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. Thanks. But we, we're funny. We don't, we go to Nordstrom and see what super expensive baby stuff is. And then we set up Facebook alerts and buy it used <laughs> for those kinds of people. But yeah, I'm just peeking over here. I mean, your burn rate, you're saving pretty decent. You live in what, California. So it's to be expected that you've got, you spend what, $1,900 on rent. That's not bad. I can tell, I can, I say this, I can tell, but I know how you guys all are. You guys are all like more frugal and more value-based anyway. So I, that's why you're here. What's the difference between living? Ex oh, that's just like food and stuff. Yeah. And I think honestly that two grand, I rounded up to be on the safe side and rental expenses include like utility and all, all the other sort of stuff that goes into that. So yeah, living expenses, food, my wife's college, transportation, vacations to an extent, pretty much everything we would need to get by comfortably uh, and okay. frugally. Okay. So you've, you're, at the end of the day, you're netting 4,800 a month. Let's call it 60, 50, 60 grand a year. So that's good. That's really good. I think, I, I think you could, uh, I, would, I think you could probably spend more money and have some more fun. Maybe a $10,000 vacation a year. Feel free to do that. You have my blessing. Because you're getting there, right? You're doing what's important, which is the net, right? Putting like 40, 50 grand into investments every year. You do the math on your own. You're, you're going to be where you want to be in very five to 10 years. But yeah, this is the important number. And I see so many families that make two times what you do, but only able to save what you are. So that's just the safety check right there. Let's see what else you put in this spreadsheet for me. You didn't fill out the spreadsheet, man. No, did it not? Oh, here it is. Okay. So you got about $100,000, $130,000 in savings. Let's talk about that later on. You're playing around with some crowdfunding websites. Uh, not, yeah. not a substantial amount. There. And I'm not actually, if you don't mind me saying, I, I didn't, I haven't had actually the best experience with, with Fundrise. I don't know. I've read what your opinions are about those websites and everything, but I, I noticed that like my percent return was just not what it was advertised to be. They're, they're retail investments, right? Like they have to pay the crowdfunding website to raise capital. We've looked at them for our deals and it's just, God, who's going to pay this? They got to be desperate. Oh, they're desperate operators. So people make, oh, there's a board. That's the deals. Dude, that's not how it happens. Like in my opinion. But for what it, I do think it's better than investing in stock funds and mutual funds, but I think directly investing with the operator, even though that it, it is more work though, that's for sure. And you got, you got some stuff in Robinhood with some stocks there. That seems that's insignificant amount. It's not to worry about that. The 401k stuff, you got about a quarter, you got about half of your stuff in there. So that's okay. So the framework that I like to use is what are you going to invest first? Let's go after the low hanging fruit. And that is always like your liquidity first, then your equity. You don't have rental properties, do you? Correct. I okay. Yeah. Where your net worth is, technically you should go buy a, a turnkey rental or something to learn about it. But I feel like how busy is your life now? It's pretty busy, man. I, I work easy 60 70 hour weeks. Yeah. The nice thing about a turnkey rental is you learn the stuff and you start to build some heuristics around like what's a good deal. Cause everybody has a podcast these days. Everybody can make 
a pitch deck and a webinar, it's really hard to determine who's legit. And if you don't have rental property experience, it's really hard to look down at a pitch deck and figure out if it's legit or not. I don't know. But then again, like you're a busy guy and you don't have kids, do you? No, we're also trying at the same time. I would, if you had, so if the guy was in your situation had kids, I would say, yeah, just turnkeys aren't for you, buddy. But you have some, you have, if you wanted to, I don't know. Did you ever go down the path of learning about the whole turnkey stuff? remote investing. Yeah, I did. And uh, that's something I, I could look into doing it as well. It's definitely a possibility. At the time when I was looking into it, I didn't have really the cash buildup that I have now. Additionally, I was also like getting married and stuff. So there's a lot of other things going on. Okay. And then uh, this happens a lot in like the incubator group. The incubator is like that five month boot camp where we help people get started. Of course, they should get the remote investor e-course. That's like a few hundred bucks and hopefully it should get them going. But for people who really need Rolodex access and to work with the people we do and the peer group and the, the kind of the hold their hand through the process, that's what that is. But a lot of people go through there and they're, they're more on the higher net worth side like yourself. Well, not higher net worth side, but high paid side. And they realize that maybe that's just not a good use of their time. But the whole thing is I try and trick you guys to go through the process because you guys learn stuff. It's, hey, Willie, in two months, you're we're going to stick you in the octagon and, and you're going to fight this one. Even though I'm joking, you might actually go work out or go on a run or something like that. It's just in a way it's like, all right, I'm going to buy a rental property. I'm actually going to call some people and maybe in the process, I'm going to learn a thing or two that might help me when I'm a syndication investor or when I'm trying to build a network with other passive high net worth investors doing this stuff. But that's just the thought process, right? I think it, I know a little bit about you, so I would, and I know you're around other people doing the syndication thing, so that's a huge advantage you have. I think we're where you're at, probably just better off skipping college and going straight to the pros and doing syndication in this case, but you know, take it slow, educate yourself. You did the e-course, so that's good. But yeah, what I would say invest the savings first because that's dead equity. And then maybe when you get proof of concept on the syndication stuff, it actually starts to cash flow for you. Then pull the goalie on the retirement funds. What do you mean pull the goalie on the retirement funds? Pull it out of it. So the reason why we don't like to use retirement funds is because many reasons, right? Like you want to pay your taxes on this today because you're going to be in a lower tax bracket today. I'm thinking where you're going, your salary might almost double by the end of your career and you're going to be in a higher tax bracket. Number two, there, look where this country is going. There's, there's all these government entitlement programs. How can we just pump four or $5 trillion into the economy? How else are we going to pay for this stuff but raising taxes in the future and the tax general tax brackets? Now, point number three, you're my age, you're going to be retired well before you're 40, 50. You don't want to wait till you're 65, 70 to get at this money. And then fourth, the, the big reason, and you don't see it yet, but when you start investing in these deals, you're going to get all these passive losses. And now when your, your salary starts to creep higher, you may want to invoke a real estate professional status. And we can talk about that. We don't want to get too personal yet. That's where maybe a spouse stays at home and gets a little Airbnb or does something more active so that you can use the passive losses to lower your ordinary income and saving you taxes that way. The more holistic strategy. You can't do, you don't get the passive activity losses, but you can't use them unless you 
you're investing outside a retirement account. So that's the crappy thing. And people don't get that. People don't understand about that. Time. That's a, that's a really important point though. Yeah. But just for the first one, two or three points, it makes sense. But the fourth is the total, I think. Yeah. But don't do anything crazy yet. Just right. play around with this hundred grand. But I'm just planting the seed, man, because it takes... It took me a really long time to take my 401k out. It's almost like a sin. Your right? shall not do that. I don't tell your parents. No, I think that's a fair point. And if you don't mind me asking, I guess one one quick point. I actually, I now have 160 uh, in the cash up above that I can operate with. But since I filled this out, I, I got a little extra. And to that point, what's your kind of stance on the buying your buying your first home versus kind of jumping into the investment world? And I apologize if you meant to bring that up uh, earlier. No, earlier. I think that's it's good timing because, quite frankly, your situation is pretty simple. There's we ran out of stuff to talk about. So this is a good time to bring it in. I would say, okay, so let's real talk. What is your, are you guys married or what's the deal? Yeah, we're married. Okay. And are you guys like, what do they think about not buying a place to live in? Sorry, one second. I have an audio problem. Yeah, she's more traditional when it comes to that. She's more of the, I want to own, we should own first, but she's also pretty easygoing. So she's from Brazil. And right now in Brazil, there's a pretty big move where folks are selling their homes and then they're taking that money and they're putting it into an investment that pays like a decent dividend and then they're rent and then trying to live off that extra dividend from that investment. So, so she's more, she's open to probably both. I would just have to start planting the seed and start guiding the boat a little bit but as far as past investments or investing she's all she's gung-ho for it cool cool so i'm just i'm trying to just see what you're up against obviously most people will think you're crazy right you don't want to throw rent money down the drain by rent which is totally interact inaccurate in my opinion you're always going to need a place to live and it's ultimately a game of arbitrage can you invest the money and make more money than the money sitting dead in your house and go up and down with inflation. Again, the general advice I give is for most people, you're not, most people are really bad with their money and they need a freaking force piggy bank, which is what a house is. So they, most people should go buy a house. But for you, my friend, you are destined to be financially free in (laughs) five to 10 years. No, I don't know. Five to 10 years. We'll see, but it'll be, your life will be very different. I think in that time frame i don't know i think that you guys should definitely rent and here's the crazy thing right like people with less than fifty thousand dollars net worth are buying houses that are 500 to million dollars in hawaii and california my net worth is a lot higher than that a lot higher and i don't feel like i should buy a house a million dollar house which is nothing here in hawaii and probably nothing in california until my net worth is like eight figures possibly or definitely maybe five million or more what's your thought process behind that what got you to that uh, decision point i i think after four and a half million dollars net worth at that point you should have enough money to be able to live your life totally free so that's when you start to buy you start to fly first class and you start to buy exotic cars and Houses, totally frivolous things like a house. But let's talk about the cons, right? The cons are security, right? People have this sense of they want to be able to have a house to live in and not be able to be uprooted in case the landlord wants to sell. So you can mitigate that risk by 
finding a landlord and getting on the same page with them, signing a long-term lease and just getting a personal understanding with the man or gal and saying, hey, this is what you you want. And that's probably what they really want. They want a long-term tenant to pay for their stupid San Diego. It doesn't make sense cash flow wise. So that can help mitigate that. But where have you, have you gone down this, this path? As you can see, it's just, you get this, right? It's just planting the seed and just letting it go. It's just compound yeah. later. You're right. The fact that even with a, uh, even with the like 50 grand investment in, in that one deal in uh, in Dallas at the court, the building that had the courthouse where the Bonnie and Clyde trial occurred. Yeah. Like even some, something like that, the, the depreciation and then the cash flow from that, it's pretty good. You take a portion of that, of the savings I have. And uh, let's say you only do, if you do 250 grand drops investments, that gets decently close for paying for rent right there. So you're already getting, you're already getting stabilized as far as that goes. And if you do something like AHP or a pref equity investment, which is lower risk, lower return, you're still coming out positive, right? In this little arbitrage game. It's a total no brainer. But these are the hard decisions yeah. that people have to make if you want financial freedom. You can't have your cake and eat it too. If you mind my asking, are you guys, did you rent, have you rented for the first, you know, few years of out of college or did you get a house or? I bought a house strategy? and that was my origin story, but, and then I bought another house too. But that was because my company was relocating me and they paid for a lot of closing costs and stuff like that. So I thought I should take advantage of it. But if it weren't for that, I rent all today personally. And when me and my spouse got together, this was a big source. It wasn't a source of contention. She's pretty chill. If not, I would have married her. But like she had a condo and I said, yeah, let's let's sell that sucker. It's dead equity. And of course, her whole family and her friends thinks that they're totally, she's totally crazy. But that's cool. That's like a Bonnie and Clyde. We're going to go do this. And even though everybody thinks, or Romeo and Julia, everybody thinks it's wrong, what's right. And you guys are going to stick up like a couple and transcend what every, all the naysayers say. Hey. So we sold that property and I put her into a couple, two, two deals. And one of the deals just doubled the money in two and a half years. And now we went, yes, yeah, suckers. <laughs> look what happened. And look right. what prop happened to the property. Just numbers don't lie. We grew our money faster. And now one little like tip for you is like at the time, like our budget for a place to live was like a couple grand. So I was like, I got to sweeten the pot a little bit. I got to be smart. Be cool. Go honey, go look out for something that's 2,500 a month or $3,000 a month. Of course I, I have the, I did the math and I know if I did the arbitrage, I don't know exactly what it was, but if I we rented something for less than 4500 at the end of the day it would make there's always a crossover point right and you can't just rent something that's 10 grand a month that's absurd yeah, yeah. there's a crossover point so i think the crossover point was around 4 to 5000 dollars i'm just guessing here so i'm smart i'm a good negotiator so i go to the wife and say hey why don't you go find something that's 2500 dollars and then she went and like, oh that's these are nice houses oh okay now you see how this works right but then the hard thing was like, my family and my friends are going to give me a lot of crap. Hey, trust me. Just Atlanta, like Aladdin, trust me. from this <laughs> magic carpet ride, trust me. And so that was how it went for me. Where were you at in this discussion? Or is family, friends, that a big part of it too? I'd say yes and no, which is not a really good answer. So let me give you a little bit more, better of an answer. So we've we've actually been house hunting in the past few months. You can't do that. Then they fall in love with, you know. We don't have to worry about that. 
because we've lost seven homes. <laughs> so yeah. honestly, at this point, she's coming around and, I, and I'm coming around. And I'm like, I, I was already, I already thought it was like, this just doesn't make sense yeah, to the market. That's overpaying yeah. us. It's yep, not yep, the time yep. to be buying. So I think we're coming, I think she and I are coming around to the the other options to, to leverage yourself a little bit more. And I think the security thing is probably the number one thing. But again, because that's happening in Brazil and folks are cashing out and putting it into investment funds, I think there might be some more openness to that. Regardless, I think the like the first time home buyer market, and I don't know, I'm not sure what the situation is with Hawaii. I, I, I presume it's similar because there's also limited real estate there is in California. But the the price per square foot of your smaller you know, entry houses are way higher, I and mean, the price per square foot for your million dollars is cheaper. So that's all to say that I think I think we're I think I'm at I think we're both at that point. Where we're like, all right, let's do something else with this chunk of uh, gold in my savings account. Yeah, and and maybe people don't understand this, but maybe this applies. But here in Hawaii, like a six hundred thousand dollar property is a piece of junk here. <laughs> so it's not. It's not you fall in love with this and you go like there's problems anyway. So maybe that makes it a little bit easier for us. So maybe that applies to you guys too. Um, but what is your, uh, you guys married yet or what's the deal? Yeah, we're married. Yeah, we're married. She's restarted her career here in the United States. What does she and, do and what does she make about? So she, she came here as a nanny and did college for the second time. And then she's now, she started a job at a tech company and make she's doing part time, so she's really just getting her foot in it. I think long term she could work for a bigger tech company and kind of move up. Just like website development, web hosting, stuff like that. So definitely not an industry that's going to go away. Yeah. Do you who likes their job the least out of you two? Okay. Sorry, you make more money. <laughs> exactly. She would be the ideal person to go half time if you wanted to make a push for that real estate professional status, but you guys would collectively or currently, even if she makes, even if, she, what is your top line? What do you think you're going to be making in 10 years? Should you not make a embarrassing email to the wrong person? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess in 10 years, it probably, probably put another hundred on top of that, that annual rate. I, I have to assume at a certain point you become a vice president or you don't, but probably pretty close to, to that dollar figure. So yeah. 230, 250-ish. Or you'll just get a lot of simple passive cash flow and you won't even get, you'll just stay right where you're at. Right on, man. But I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like, where is your guys' household top line income going to be in the future? It doesn't seem like your guys are going to edge into that 32% tax bracket in, in anytime soon. Not, no, not soon. So the real estate professional status won't likely help you guys, I think, too much. So it's out there, but I wouldn't freak out about it getting it. It's not like you guys, it's not like you're a doctor or anything like that. Like you should have right. been a doctor. But <laughs> but yeah, and I, and I think she tops out at 100 and you make 250. Yeah, you're in the highest tax bracket there, but it's not like you're, it's not like you're making 500 or 600,000 a year yeah. where the real estate professional status really matters. Okay. But then, but I guess what I'm trying to figure out is if somebody wants to go part time, probably wouldn't be you unfortunately have to keep working but and that kind of gives me a sense of what your net's going to be or maybe you increase this from 60 grand up to 100 grand especially with investments you're right on the path what i'm thinking is like you're probably financially free in five years if you really want or at least one of you guys doesn't have to work at that point so i guess the proposal i'm making for the house is look just suck it up for four or five years and then put it on cruise control but really accelerate up to that that certain critical mass 
not saying that critical mass is a net worth of $4.5 million, but get your net worth definitely over a million dollars first before you start to buy those frivolous things. Like, well, how does yeah, that no. sound to... That sounds reasonable, especially especially given the fact that you you take that money and you put it in a property here in Southern California and it's a, yeah, it's a crazy proposition. I'm a jerk, right? Like I'm the one, like all your friends are buying houses, right? Their net worths are probably half yours at this point, but I'm saying, no, man, you, you don't deserve a house yet. Your net worth is not high. You're not at the point where you can cruise control it. You're going 25 miles an hour right now. You're making good progress, but get up to 55 before you even think about doing something like that slows you down for the long term. But if you want to buy the house because it makes you so much happier, which I don't get the sense from that. Right? No, I'm a, I'm a nomad. I'm a military kid. So I, yeah, but it's not you. It's that saying the happy wife, happy, I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever that thing is. Yeah. But yeah, I, I get it. Get closer to a million dollars, then buy the house, I think. Or do you, here's another thing. Do you guys want to stay in San Diego forever or what's? She does. I could move anywhere. All right. Um, You'll probably be in San Diego in 20 years, what I think. It's a good chance of that. <laughs> good yeah. chance. Okay. I was, the reason I asked that is because if you're going to move around, that's a no-brainer. Then don't buy it. But if you're going to be growing roots in San Diego, that's another pebble on the side of maybe buying a house to live in. But I don't know. That's my argument to you is if your budget, what was your budget to buy? Yeah. So it's, it's right around the 600 mark that you brought up that Isn't number. Isn't that a piece of junk in San Diego? Totally. Yeah. Why would you want to own that thing? It's going to be breaking and it's not even that cool anyway. Just rent. Here, here's the tangible action item. Go on like Hotpad. It takes Craigslist and some listings and puts it on a map easily for you. And go search for something that of a monthly payment of $2,500, $3,000 or maybe even more a month for rent. You're probably looking, we all know the rent to value ratios right there is pretty dismal. And I think it's like a 0.3 or 0.4. So that should equate to a purchase price on that $2,500 rental of $700 to $800, right? That's the rung above outside of your original budget. Go show Mama Bear that property. Go walk those properties and start to see this vision. And you trust me, right? That's a better way of your money working. That's even though you're spending more rent. I think I got your buy-in on that. Yeah, I like the fact that right now my rent is month to month. And I just, it's total flexibility, kind of peace of mind. So I, I definitely like that aspect a lot. Yeah, you're going to have to switch it up though to get that stability. If you're going to get that higher end rental, the $2,500, $3,000 a month, just go try and look that up and get a hot pad, like reoccurring, check the webpage every week and see what pops up and go, just go on view a few properties, right? Yeah. You guys go walk the properties and then you say, you could need, this is where you need to be a good leader and say if we it's a little alternative but we're paying paint three thousand dollars a month but in the end our total financials because we're taking the money and investing it is going to be better off in the most likely it makes sense yeah i i like that i like that suggestion it's nice and concrete and then just lie to your friends tell them you bought it i've got friends who are in the same position (laughs) too who are actually also renting here right now and uh and investing as well so i've got friends who are doing just every combination possible Lied or searching. I'm just joking. They don't need to know. Look, everybody's doing it differently. And that's probably why those people are your friends. They're doing the same thing you are, the alternative thinkers. I mean, who does this? It makes no sense. It's very counterintuitive. 
It is, but the math, the mathematics actually, if you could, if you can take all the other factors out of it, like you're saying, all the other pebbles, then the mathematics speaks for itself. Yeah. And I think you're more down to earth and you, you don't really care where you live. I get the sense, but I think you could probably go up to 3,500 if you wanted to, if you wanted to YOLO a little bit. Yeah. I have more of the, more of the kind of like, I like the simplicity of things, but uh, yeah, man, I would definitely use that money for a lot of other awesome stuff. Yeah, fly for surfing every month or so. Yeah, more experiences. <laughs> yeah. My just everybody's different. Right? That's why you f- stick around and you meet the other people in our tribe. But me personally, my goal and my attitude on the whole house thing is like, like now my wife just jokes at me. It's like, when am I? When are you gonna buy me that house? And she doesn't really <laughs> think I'm gonna buy it. But then when do you actually take the money and actually? spend it on exotic cars and houses that's the question um, right now my head is like once once i hit a point in my head a certain net worth then i'm just gonna get like a really big like three four million dollar house here in hawaii so i'm in this camp where you delay gratify a long time but then you go baller status hey. where you might be more linear might be gradual but that's just my style i in the beginning i I was able to save a hundred grand a year for several years there to put to investments. And that's just how I did it. I learned to loosen up a little bit, but that's just my plan where people might have a different approach. I know some people that they, they consciously are like, we're going to go buy a house and we'll just take a little bit longer to get there. It'll be the 12 year plan to get to the financial independence instead of five. But at least they did the math and they consciously chose that that's what they want to do. I I feel like you're like me where, no, we're going to suck it up. We're just going to eat a bunch of ramen noodles until we get to that magic number or million dollar net worth or whatever your goal is. But now you have somebody else you have to think about and you have to make it a little more complex. Yeah, I I think you're right. But uh, yeah, planning that out, I think it's whatever decision you make. I think that's to your credit, the most important thing. Better not just to jump in it blindly because it's the common wisdom. Yeah, I, I think one of your problems that it's if I can see why you're having like problems communicating this vision is because you don't have any investments that are kicking off cash flow at this point. Right now, it's just from their point of view, you're just tinkering on podcasts and listening to this whole bunch of stuff and doing an e-course here there. You haven't bought anything. So this whole idea of passive cash flow is just like, and I maybe so maybe take 10 grand of this and stick it in like AHP or BlockFi or something, get like eight, 10 percent coming back every month, and then they can see it coming in. And maybe you don't need that, but they need that. And then they can see, or if you don't even have a rental property where you see a few hundred bucks for every 30 grand that you put as a down payment coming back every month, and they don't see how the arbitrage is supposed to happen. Yeah, that was actually my plan if during this podcast you came. Sorry, one second. Let me put my dog. All right. He's got the dog away. It wasn't codenamed for something else. Yeah. <laughs> so that was actually my thinking as well is uh, I've been looking at AHP for a little while. And uh, my, my thinking was as a result of this session, if you came back and said, hey, Ken, I don't think a rental property is good for you. Syndications might be good for you. Do something else. And then I was going to say, okay, then my plan is to put a build my on deck funding. I'm going to take probably half of my cash. The numbers up to, to negotiation, probably more, and then put it something like AHP to start getting that. Is ordinary income, right? It's nice that it's monthly return, but it's your caps, right? I think it's for what it is. It's really good. It's a diversified fund. It starts paying out cash flow the first month, and it's like clockwork. But it's ordinary income, and you don't have upside. 
Or maybe I would suggest if you had a goal, what's your deployment goal this next 12 months? Do you invest 160 or something like that? Yeah, I'm, I want to invest 100 over the next six months. I would either buy a syndication, 50 grand there, or buy a rental property in the next months. That'd be my intermediate goal. And then okay. sit back and place the rest. Would you personally, obviously not have caveats and everything, but would you put the delta, 50% of that delta value in AHP or cause, cause I'm your strategy. You like to, to build the, the on, I think the, I forget the term on deck, right? Yeah. On, yeah. yeah. People want to learn more about that. They can go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash O fund, O F U N D understand that concept more, but yeah, I really don't like when you guys use AHP as a freaking savings account. You pull it back out. They technically say they can, but it's been taking longer for what I've noticed for people to get their money back out. Maybe I would stick maybe 20 or 30 grand, chunk that down a little bit. But just think about, okay, think about this, man. Maybe this might change your thinking. You have 130 grand here. I think you said you had even more. But every month that you go by, you're losing like, let's see, calcs are you're losing out on 1100 bucks or $11,000 a year every month. That's $900 a month. Every day, that's $33. Every day you don't do anything, 33 bucks, 33 yep. bucks, 33 bucks, yep. 33 bucks. What are you doing, man? Do something. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. We, yeah, I, I agree. A, a lot of this, uh, we, you know, we pulled, pulled this cash together to, to, to the, for the you know, first home thing, which that's as it's fading out, I need to take action. And honestly, the thing was, I would work so much this past year, I didn't realize how much I was saving. I actually looked at my cash. I, I, I saw, but I was so busy that I looked at my, like, holy crap, I've, I, I got to make a, I got to do something with this. I need, I don't want to, I don't want to do this job for. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree with you, man. I, I, I think you're, you're right on. And so what my thinking, my, another action I'm going to give myself from this conversation is to, if you don't mind me giving myself an action is to start attending some of the syndications and practice some of that stuff that I've learned. And if something seems like it's a good thing to jump on, jump on it. And then also I still, I'm, I'm writing all this stuff down. I got the hot pads action as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then infinite banking, I know you see, you're aware of that. I wouldn't worry about that quite yet. Normally it's more for, I usually like to implement it for folks once their net worth becomes half a million. But because you have a lot of dead, lazy equity, you might want to throw some money into that, maybe small, like 10 grand a year at that. But if you already seem like you got a lot of your plate and that's secondary for sure, something, getting something like that going. But deploy the 130, 100 first, then think about the infinite banking. And that I say that because people that are listening that never step into our ethos and just our lurkers, they always waste their time with infinite banking. It's a cool thing, but it's implemented in the wrong order. It's just not the right way to going. So I'm actually, I, I know I've read it before. Can you give me a quick recap on infinite? So pe- basically you're using whole life insurance to make a little bit of a yield tax. Okay. You're paying a crap ton of fees in the beginning. And I call that the gut punch. You're taking, you're paying a lot of fees. So there's a crossover point where it starts to make sense. You're better off if you have low net worth and low, low liquidity, you need to take every single dollar you have and put it to investments to grow. You can't take that gut punch in the beginning. You got nothing. (laughs) Your net worth is low on the lower end to start implementing it, but then you have a lot of lazy liquidity, not doing anything. So it'd be nice to deploy that in. But if you wanted to, you could probably do it. But I'm just saying, don't do it because you're focusing on a lot of 
lot of things and I don't want you to get overwhelmed and not do anything. That's a fair point, man. You got a whole life to do this stuff. You can just do it next year. But yeah, yeah, I think I think you got an action plan. We don't want to give you too many things to do. But I think the hard thing is that you guys got to get a path forward on the house because unless you do that, you can't unlock this. Yeah. No, I, essentially. I totally agree with you on that one. And I'm going to have the the wife watch this as well. Yeah. And what I would do is make it a, the action plan. The one thing, right? What is always the one thing that you should do is start to maybe in the next couple of weeks, go and walk a few properties that rent for in that range. Was it 2,500 to 2,000 or maybe more? And start to see that light. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are That's moving around all the time too. So it makes even more sense to run your Robinhood account and buy GameStop versus <laughs> Zing. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. Yeah, my Robinhood's actually, I don't know what I do. It's, it's easy to, to pick good ones when the market goes up, but I seem to have done pretty decent on some of these. But uh, by no means do I want to make stock picking my side hustle. It's, it's nice. It's fun, but I don't know if it's for me. Yeah, you know, keep it within reason, right? What did they say? One to 5% of your portfolio, just enough that's a hobby for you. That's what I do with the Bitcoin. It's an insignificant amount to me. Yeah. But well, yeah, appreciate you doing this. And for you guys, listen, if you guys want to do this, join the Investor Club and then volunteer to put yourself out there as Willie did here. And um, thank you for listening and please share with your friends. And uh, maybe this is a good one to share with your spouse too about the whole good discussion on the whole buying a house to live in. Yeah, renting. totally. What do you want? Do you want financial freedom? Or do you want a nice place or a house that you can call your own? But at the end of the day, you never own anything. Whether you right, lease your rent, you buy your own. You don't can't take any of this to the grave with you. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.